podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. So, regular listeners, welcome to the top 10 of the decade. You have missed about three hours, maybe two hours 45, of us talking through the rest of the list, with Becky joining us for the top 15. 16. 16, because... 16. I have to have one in. And, uh, yes, so... Uh, uh, Patrons have got all that You guys haven't It's been a little bit ramshackle But I think it's been fun Um, But yeah So this is our top 10 of the decade Um, And my number 10 Is Pavel Pavel Lukowski's Cold War A film which basically tells the story of a love through the decades in about 89 minutes and does it perfectly um the full free black and white cinematography is marvelous uh, uh, uh joanna kulig is fucking mesmerizing in in what is probably the lead role and there are revelations towards the uh, the end of the film that punched me in the fucking balls. Uh, Mark, have you seen this? Still not seen it. I did it to my need to watch this shit fucking list. Bex, I'm assuming that's a no as well. Yeah, no. It's a, a super, super special film. And um, I'm so fucking pleased that you got... It not only got a nomination for like Best Foreign Language, Best Cinematography. Motherfucker got nominated for Best Director for this. Um, it made an impression, and so it should. Cold War, hell of a film. Number ten, Rebecca. Uh, my number ten is Prisoners. Um, Which was my number nineteen. Yeah. Um, just really interesting representation of the lengths people will go to when they're desperate. Yeah. Also contains uh, possibly Jake Gyllenhaal's second best performance of the decade. Mm. Um, yeah, fantastic movie. Uh, Kim Oakja. Oh, Oakja uh, Oak would be up there. He's good in Oakja. Yeah. Um, it, it, he, yeah. Um, Prisoners is is fantastic. It's it gave us Dennis Villeneuve um, as a filmmaker, um, and it it's just it's grown up cinema just done really fucking well. Mm. It's one of those. They don't make movies like this anymore. Yes, they do. You just don't watch them. Yeah. Uh, movies. Yeah, Prisoners. Fantastic movie. Uh, Ian, what's your number nine? What's your number ten, Mark? Oh, man, I did that yesterday. My number ten. Yeah. I'm totally fucking losing this. <laughs> you are, yeah. Yeah. Are you posting? I am a little bit, yeah. You kind of shit. I, am, I was good until you joined, then you just, the fucking three of us, <laughs> just, as far as twas, just fucking throw at me. Um, my number ten is Wind River. Oh, you fucking love that film. Uh, I you think it's, do love that film. I think it's an incredible movie. Um, a there's a literally literally a sliding door in it where we go from one time space to another, where you go the movie goes hyper fucking tense, and then everything else that's been in the movie you go I can see the reasoning behind it all. It's misery porn. It's you expect it to be uncomfortable and then it goes another level and you go, oh, hold on a minute. We're into, yeah, okay. Um, 
people left during my screening and I okay. could I could see why yeah. they left. Um, it doesn't warn you during the movie that what you are about to see is what you're about to see. It is unflinchingly graphic, bleak, but smart and not gratuitous in the way it does it. It mm. is a... Uh, a Jeremy Renner, I don't think it's ever been better. No. Um, it is a quite staggering movie that I think o- over time will start to, people will start to pick up on it and go, do you know what? Do you know what was a fucking great movie? Uh, I think it will end up getting its place. So Ian, what's your number nine? I just want to say as well, Nick Baker, um, co-manager at my workplace, I think Wind River be extremely your shit. Uh, you'll probably be listening to this and yeah wind river uh, mark's right and you'll enjoy it uh my number nine is mission impossible fallout it comes up. up of course it does what's your number nine becky uh, my number nine is the skin i live in wow we oh cool it's it just it, it's not so much <laughs> not so much a twist it's just this gradual fucking reveal throughout the movie that just you're like no yeah oh no (laughs) really no it's just and then when it happens you go oh yeah okay (laughs) it's just it's just a fantastic build throughout the movie it's it's really well structured oh and antonio banderas is brilliant in it it's grim though it's a bit grim it's really grim but i now want to rewatch it so all right you can watch that grim on your own (laughs) going from one grim movie to another grim movie of an entirely different kind okay um brawl in cell block 99 Mm. um i would say the most visceral movie of the past decade uh it is for anybody who turns round and says, I really liked um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I didn't like the fact that it got so violent towards the end. I'd like to go, would you like to come watch this film with me? It's called Brawl and Cell Block 99. It's got Vince Vaughn in it. Yes, it is a comedy. <laughs> See, I've, I've never seen it, and I don't want to. I didn't like Dragged. So uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99 is unpleasantness in cinema. It is phenomenally good. It is so fucking good it is ridiculous but it makes sure that you hear every bone crunching bone crunch in the movie it's such a bleak movie and i absolutely fucking adore it ian you're number eight spider in spider-verse oh nice Ian, we're losing uh, the fucking. Oh no! Can you hear me? Just about, but you're really in and out. Okay. I'll just uh, on the mic. Uh, the people will be able to hear me. Uh, we, I think we've got you back now. Okay. All right. So, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best comic book movie of this decade, and I don't know how any how anyone can argue anything. But I know that Marvel had nothing really to do with this because the MCU wasn't connected to it at all. But it was Sony just going out and saying, "Let's fucking do this." 
Phil Lord and Chris Miller are very, very suited to an animated fucking landscape. And from a producing and writing view, I think they knocked it out of the park. Um, the sheer fucking invention of the visuals in this is mind melting. Um, it, it, it does, you know, you look at Ang Lee's Hulk and like literal comic book panels. It's like, it's a comic book come to life. No, this is a comic book come to life. This feels like a film that will inspire people. Um, not only from the having Miles Morales as the central hero and a predominantly black cast, but the fact that it, it, it the, the visual storytelling is so fucking advanced and it, it, it feels like what the future could be. And, that's really, really exciting. There's other films coming up on my uh, on my list by established directors with, you know, uh, playing with film as an established language. Spider-Verse feels like it's doing something else. And that's incredibly exciting. Um, it it feels like a film which is you know, it's not interactive, but it kind of feels like it, it's blending a kind of a, a video gamey, let's push things kind of mentality, which I can get on board with. And yeah, uh, it, it, it is the best comic book movie ever made, or at least based on a comic book movie ever made for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, your number eight. My number eight is Inherent Vice. That's weird, because my number eight is Inherent Vice. Do this shit. Um, go on, you can say first. No, you go first, because you, you're first. Uh, it's an awful lot of fucking fun. It's, it's Paul Thomas Anderson going back to Boogie Nights, but being a little bit more fun and having a release from being so weighty with his movies and just sort of letting his characters sort of breathe a little bit. Um, we get Josh Brolin as, as Bigfoot just shouting Moto Panakeku, uh, which is just glorious. It's got a really good atmosphere to it as well. Yeah. Like while, you, while you're watching it, it kind of pulls you in really well. Yeah. Whacking Phoenix looking at a picture and screaming. <laughs> um, it's... It, if anyone ever says, oh this film feels like an acid trip or anything like that. This film does feel like a lazy trip. I think it's meant to though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it, it, it's that That's perfectly. That's I mean by the atmosphere. It's, it's got that kind of... It's mad that it didn't do as well, but it's because people with Topazos and they associate him more with There Will Be Blood, The Master, Phantom Thread, these higher brow movies, and this kind of felt a little bit side project for him, but it, it, it's dripping in film quality. Mm. Uh, your number seven, Ian. My number seven is Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Comes up later. Of course it does. Becky, your number seven. Uh, my number seven is the Ethan Hawke movie, First Reformed. Yeah! Nice! First Reformed was... What was the number on yours, Ian? Oh, shit. Uh, all right, let me go down the list. It was my 48. It's, I think it, it's so high for it. 73. It really got inside my skin. Like, it, it really affected me. Mm. Um, and just... It, it's just fucking fantastic. 
can't really say much more than that. Fair play. All you need to say. Magnus just that, just that ending, sorry, just to say, that last shot, mm. he's like, you know, whipping himself, and then just the hug. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. It Again, it's that whole just kind of like, we all just need to fucking remember that the people around us are the most important thing and yes the everything that's going on in the world is on fire and it is shit but we also need to make sure that those fucking around us man are uh, yeah i'm actually getting a bit emotional there but fuck um my number seven a film that i have strong emotions about (laughs) Very strong emotions. Yeah. Yes. Gone Girl. Gone Girl. What, what kind of Martin's world, Martin? Yeah! You fucking love to. Oh, Mark, you fucking love to jack it. Let's fucking go. It's just. She's possibly the most perfect woman. Thanks. Apart from you, of course, then. Yeah. Um, it, it's. I love how the fact that you think that the title is Gone Girl for the first. 45 minutes to an hour of the movie you think it's about Ben Affleck and then it's like no it's about this girl and then you realise you know you've been brought around to think that he's an arsehole and he is an arsehole he's a pretentious douchebag and then you realise that she's also a piece of shit but she's a psychotic piece of shit so and then you get the bit where she literally slashes someone's throat and gets herself off on his death throes and then just wipes his blood all over her. And then you go, do you know what? This this is magnificent. It is no longer, uh, at the moment, I thought it had been there too long, but for a long time that was the uh, backing screen on my phone. You can tell the little people what my backing screen on my phone is now. It's, um, it's Rose the Hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, it's just magnificent. And then you get the... The moment of realisation where he pushes her into the wall and says he's not going to go go along with this bullshit, this tour, this book tour and everything like that and uh, indulging her trap and then calls her a cunt and then she basically calls his bluff and says you are going to because all of this turns you on and me being a cunt turns you on <laughs> and he has to go yes yes it does yes it does um yeah one of the best performances of the the decade from somebody who manages to play psychotic pretty so well she got she got nominated for best actress didn't she She got nominated and then some of the cunt won it instead Uh, no i will not (laughs) i will stop saying it after this uh, yeah. Bex, cool. Bex, just in, in, in the fucking spirit of the comments I had about um, Brie Larson uh, earlier in the patron-only section and what Mark's just said, uh, have there been any men that have quite had that effect on you in cinema of this decade? No. Yeah, it must have been. Okay. Also, not J- J- Jason Miller. No, not to that extent. Dan Stevens walking out the shower room. Dan Stevens, guess. that's pretty good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I want Jackie to do it. No, but still, it would move on the. I don't really move, babe. Twitches. Okay. Um, I just, I just realised how fucking weird a question that was for me to ask. I, I, 
like what it, the most attractive man on screen this decade? Um, I mean, Dan Stevens is up there. Hemsworth's up there. Papa Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, I can't believe a weird thing for Adam Driver. <laughs> I don't think you'd be alone in that, babe. I think a lot of people have a weird thing for Adam Driver. That bit, oh god, that bit at the end of Rise of Skywalker where he smiles at her just before he dies, fucking kills me. Is that because he looks a little bit like if Stewie from Family Guy grew up and was a real person? No. Oh, that's harsh. That's a little bit. What about that bit in Last Jedi where he's like, he's not got a shirt on? She's like, could you put something on? (laughs) She goes, no. (laughs) The the oddity of that has not been appreciated enough. Yeah, that's I know I know Steve made those arguments about Rise of Skywalker, but Last of Jedi, Last Jedi is such a fucking weird individual piece of that fucking jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, like it just stands alone as this just fucking oddity. Thing is when you because I watched Last Jedi just before I went to see Rise of Skywalker and when you watch it and then you watch that it's like oh yeah totally it just wasn't it wasn't right it's a great it's a great film and it would fit in elsewhere but as the second to last of a nine movie series it's just it's just not the right place for it yeah. Ian watch number six taking back control uh, sorry Ian watch uh, number six Once Upon a Time in Hollywood well, there you go. You too. <laughs> um, oh, it, it was my number twelve. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, just a brilliant film. I really want to rewatch it again, actually, before the end of the yeah, year to um be able to place it correctly. Um, just a really good story. I mean, I think from looking at your list, it's going to be on one film of the <laughs> of 2019. Then. It, it it just it it's it it's you know, and even with the darker elements, it's having fun with them. And at the end, it, it's a happy ending. And it's, it, you know, it's almost making the Manson family out to be what they were. You know, they were vicious and they did kill people. But the, the, the shit that they had at the heart of them was just what the fuck. You know, it it, it fully goes with the... Charlie doesn't really know what he's chatting about, and we're just people on a fucking ranch, bollocks. Yeah, and you know Brad Pitt's character. Tarantino doesn't celebrate them. He 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 shows them as being the fucking bunch of idiots they were. Mm. I mean that that's it, and I mean like Cliff Booth is a perfect uh, character for that because you look at the marketing material, and it is misleading, but there's that one shot of like. Charlie looking at Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt kind of acknowledging him. It's like, well, shit, where's this going then? And it, in the additional scenes on the uh, the Blu-ray or the, the 4K, you see that scene and it's nothing. It's nothing. Mm. And yet with the, the marketing, it's like, shit, is he going to be like almost like indoctrinated or something? And it's like, no, you get that like half hour section of the film where it's basically Cliff Booth going, you're a bunch of fucking idiots. Like, may, maybe, maybe I will fuck this girl if it turns out that you guys are all right. And immediately it's, no, you guys aren't all right. And then I care about Bruce Dern. 
My yeah. primary concern is Bruce Dern. I, I, I love the fact that in all of that, when they're all surrounding him and there's text there and everything like that, I love the fact that he's literally stood there going, there might be like 30 of you, but you know what? I reckon I can take you all. The, the, the confidence of that man. There was a thing I read about it where somebody asked Tarantino about that and he said the bit that you're missing out is Cliff Booth is, is essentially the most dangerous man on the planet. Yeah. And that's what that's all you need to know about him is he is the most dangerous man on the planet. What does he do just before he leaves? He, does he slash his tires and he makes them change his tires? He makes that guy change tires, but he literally beats the living fuck out of him he first. Yeah, and then you get the, the brilliance of the end of it with the with the you what's your name? It's something fucking stupid. <laughs> As, I, yeah, we'll talk about the end of the list more. I'm, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so I need to go to my number six now, don't I? Because yeah. YouTube, what is it? Uh, Interstellar. Um, it's Christopher Nolan has earned the right to be given budgets like no other filmmaker outside of franchise filmmakers is ever going to be given to do whatever the fuck he wants. And he does. And he doesn't try and dumb anything down. He doesn't try and go places. And it baffles me that people say his movies don't have heart. Um, I think they do. Um, I think his movies maybe don't connect with certain people, but it, that's just a connection thing. In the same way as Wes Anderson movies don't connect with me, it, it's a connection thing. They don't yeah, push I, those I buttons. I don't feel like that about Christopher Nolan movies in general, but Interstellar felt cold to me. I completely disagree on that. I think it's probably one of his warmest movies. Um, it's it, 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 it's just about people not understanding um, how much life should mean to them. I, 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 my, my slight argument would just be that from a filmmaking point of view, it's a two and a half hour film that tells a very powerful story, but I think maybe didn't need all that two and a half hours to tell it. Um, um, I, I, I could agree that if it doesn't have you, but it absolutely had me in those two and a half hours where I was absolutely transfixed in how beautiful it looks. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say it's a bad film by any like it's a strong four, four and a half, four and a half. It's not my top 100. I just I I want like it's I, I maybe I need to watch it again, but it kind of felt like it was introducing a lot of concepts in the first hour, which by the end of the film, it's such a personal story that I I. I, you know, I, I mean, there's there's the stuff with like Matt Damon at the end, like the whole kind of like five minute thing where it's like, is he going to connect with the other ship and all that kind of stuff? And it's just like, do we necessarily need that? I think he was going 2001, but it felt like the the story the story he wanted to tell ultimately was smaller than the scale he was playing with. I can I can see that. Um... I think it's it's more that the story is about him and his relationship with his primarily his daughter. But, do you um, know what, Mark? You should also just tell me to go fuck myself because it's in your top ten films of the decade. And no, I shouldn't no, be absolutely, not, absolutely not. Um, but, and I think that what happens is 
I think you're right, there's all of that middle there, and it comes back around to that, and it's almost like all of that is the, the, the noise that means nothing. And then literally you have Michael Caine's character saying, I never cracked it. It was never there. I knew I couldn't. Yeah. And so all the noise was unnecessary until she goes, but I have. That's a piece of argument. But I have. So that's the, the, the unnecessariness gets brought back round. Yeah. yeah. Him thinking only he could crack it. Mm. And she's like, no. It's the it's the mother and the, 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 the father and daughter thing, and it also is the arrogance of man. The arrogance of man put the pollution in the world that, that caused this disaster that's happened in it, and it's the arrogance of one man thinking he can save the world no, and not actually thinking, actually, maybe if I shared this with a few people, they might be able to help. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, and it's the, the, it brought us here. The, 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 the Morse code, it brought us here. It didn't bring Matthew McConaughey there like you thought it was, like that, that's what you thought it was. You thought, oh, it brought Matthew McConaughey there because he was to do the ship. It fucking brought her there because she's the one who's going to save everything. It, you, it takes you on the wrong story. Um, your number five, Ian. Uh, my number five is uh, Arrival. Um, the film I rewatched. Really uh, you know, a month or so back, and I, I, I spoke about it on the podcast. Um, I, I, I think I said it more eloquently there than I would now. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a film that is kind of speaks to me. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it, 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 it gut punched me in a cinema. Do I need to rewatch? I think you need to rewatch it. I think you were watching in your I don't like Amy Adams first. No, I don't. I don't like the decisions she makes at the end. It really spoiled the whole film for me. I enjoyed it up to that point. I think you need to rewatch it. Mm. I need to rewatch list. It, uh, Becky, yeah, what, I have one. <laughs> I need to put them. Uh, Becky, what is your number five? Uh, my number five is Greatest Showman. Simply for the pure joy that it brought me for quite a significant amount of time after it came out. Also, obviously, whilst watching it, the absolutely massive cultural impact that it had. I mean, it was it was everywhere, and they were doing. Outdoor screenings and everyone just loved it and it, it was just organic like, yeah it was organic and it just fucking happened and it seemed like everyone just came together to just fucking love this Hugh Jackman musical yeah it wasn't a it, it wasn't a marketing thing there that won it, 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 about it. it yeah there was no cynicism to the it, yeah. the, and at the point that it became cynical when they released that album of celebrity singers doing yeah songs, which was nowhere near as good as the died, was it yeah he died off yeah um got to let things happen my number five is the Irishman. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think was Ian. That was your number. Uh, seven. Yeah. Um, Ian, why was it your number seven? Uh, because it's uh, much like I said earlier on. It it, it kind of feels like the culmination of uh, a, a a body of work. You know, uh, with with the wind rises it. It's a film that feels like Scorsese wasn't adolescent in what he was doing with Goodfellas and Casino, um, but just with the 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 intelligence of age can see 
that that part of it. Um, if if another film Scorsese makes ends as per- perfectly as an old man asking to keep the door open because he want like he wants the light in his room, I'd, I'd be stunned. It, it's I don't, it, it just like the body of work. It, I mean, let, let's not like. I don't really want to talk about the Corman films and whatnot, but if we go from like Mean Streets yeah. to The Irishman, that is a body of work that encompasses all of like modern masculinity. And it's kind of depressing because it shows how masculinity has not necessarily changed in the last 40 years. Um, but it ends on this moment of, you know uh, the conversation that they have dead now why don't you just fucking say and he refuses to do so you know it's it it paints such a bullshit light on so much stuff that Scorsese has done but not to the detriment of Scorsese or any of his actors it's just it's how life is it it feels like a complete work. It feels like an important work by a guy who has shit to say is old and can still say it in an utterly compelling way. Uh, it, it It's a really, really special film, and I'm really glad I, I saw it on a cinema screen. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, it's, it's Scorsese proving that he is... He's not an old man director. He's still got as much verve and artistic eye as any filmmaker. He's still doing things that are new. He's aping back to things that he's done previously 30 years ago, um, but still making them innovative. Um, he's also seems to have taken on board some of the criticisms uh, that his movies have had about how they show the glamour and the glitz of all these things. And he's kind of going... Really? That's what you got from these? <laughs> really? So so the whole shot of the outro for Layla in Goodfellas, you think that's glamour? You think that's glitz? It's not. And then goes, all right, you want the bleak side of it? Brilliant. I'm going to give you the glamour. I'm going to give you the glitz. And then you're going to sit there for 40 minutes and watch all the bleakness that you said wasn't there in these movies. And then he gives you it. And it's spectacular. It, it, I'm baffled as the fact that De Niro's not getting spoken about in awards contention because no. he is stunning in that movie. Um, it is like I, Ian said most of it there, absolutely perfectly. But it is just, it's it's Scorsese showing you, and I'm going to say something really wanky, cinema. <laughs> and also, as no, well, is, it's Scorsese at the same time going, oh. You know, film's dead because long-form TV's here and it's got the budgets now and everything like that and people want to watch this. Nah, fucking bollocks. I'm going to give you a three-hour fucking movie because if you can sit and watch a Marvel movie for three hours, you can fucking come and sit and watch this for fucking three hours. I'm going to give you this. And when you go, oh, it should be a mini-series. Why should it have been a mini-series? I'm just giving you three hours and it's perfectly fine. Don't need four and a half hours. Don't need five hours. I gave you three and a bit hours, and it's fine. It's exactly what it should be. It's perfect. 
Larry Boys Every Friday night On the show you better know they keep it tight ETL is back and the J-Strim's in the zone Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone PCZ is about to hold court You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort Pop culture movies, TV shows and games Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast The Jason and Steven Show It's the Jason and Steven Show What? The Jason and Steven Show It's the Jason and Steven Show Ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Put, putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before all this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like, all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ian, yeah. you're number four. My number four is Barry Jenkins's "If Beale Street Could Talk," uh, which, yeah, is um, my film of the year uh, for 2019. Spoiler alert! I appreciate that The Irishman is a cinematic achievement, and it, it's. It's the culmination of everything that Scorsese has basically done, and I, I, I think that's that's huge. Um, if Beale Street Could Talk is a film that hit me in every single fucking emotional way that it's possible for a film to hit me, and I know that's not reciprocated by uh, by you guys, and that's that's fine. Um, it's a film which in the Nicholas Patel soundtrack just fucking floored me. Um, in the um, uh, Stephen James and Kiki, oh fuck, I've had quite a few Elvis juices, so I'm ever so sorry because it feels really uh, disrespectful. Kiki Lane, yeah, Kiki Lane, yeah, yeah. Okay, performances are like fucking heart pounding um it starts it starts romantic and then it's funny and it's heartbreaking and it's romantic again and funny and it it just it it made me laugh it made me cry it made me hungry it made me sad it made me angry it did every fucking it pushed every single emotional button i think it's possible to push in a film 
Uh, Barry Jenkins is an incredibly talented filmmaker. I mean, Moonlight was almost there for me here. Um, but it it's... I really look forward to seeing what he can do with the medium in 2020 and the fact that he's making a TV series really pisses me off. Um, You know, and it it is what it is. And he'll come back to TV. Uh, It's a movie. Sorry. Um, It's a really special film. And I am annoyed that it didn't get the Oscar attention that it, it should have quite frankly. And, uh, based on William Baldwin novel, um, and I am not your Negro is based on his writings, which I talked about in the Patreon section very briefly. Um, uh, two men who are far smarter than I will ever be. <laughs> Becky, what are you going to Batman and the Clock. <coughs> Island. Um, nice. A Scorsese horror movie that pivots into a psychological thriller and then there's that twist obviously Mark, that twist um, and it just becomes like, they just try to help him and it's just all explainable stop swearing at me um, it just it's, 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 got, it's got layers got layers is it? Yeah. Uh, I, by the way I just realised this entire time the Skype recording has been recording through my Mac instead of my microphone so whenever I've been pressing mute hasn't meant shit. Yeah, no, it <laughs> So I'm um, I'm so sorry because no, yeah, I've just realised why you guys have been hearing my coughing. I am so sorry to everyone listening. Um, I'm not going to edit out those coughs because there's been a lot of them. I'm I'm sorry, guys. I don't think it's been as many as you think, mate. Okay, <laughs> all right. No, I don't. I don't think it's been as many as you think. To be honest, um, okay. my number four is uh, hostiles. Uh, a movie that I came out of nowhere. It literally arrived, and it arrived just a little bit too late for awards season. Mm. So it kind of yeah. just missed the boat. If yeah. it had been out three weeks earlier, I, I genuinely believe it would have cleaned up all the awards. It is an absolute. I'm going to say really old school here. It is a proper American classic made two years ago. Mm. It's staggeringly well shot it's brilliantly acted it's story is about the humanity of a guy who essentially has done really bad things yeah and has to live with it and he's done those because he's really good at the things he did and they were considered good things but he knows they're bad but it just allowed him to be good at something yeah um and so, yeah, I think it's um, it, it is an absolutely incredible movie. And maybe that I am, I'll be honest, a little bit scared to go back and rewatch. I'd like to rewatch it because I don't think it clicked for me as much as it did yeah. for you. I, I, I was, I think when we got out of the cinema, I needed to go, I needed to go for a drink because I can't. <laughs> I think I, I made you drive, didn't I? I think so, yeah. Because I, I couldn't. It, it, it hit me. It really hit me. <laughs> um, Ian, you're number three. Just, uh, just watch. Uh, looking at a Guardian article of the, uh, the the best movies of 2019 that you haven't seen. Yeah, I bet there's some ones where you go, I've, I've definitely seen that. Every single one of them, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Is that? 
So it kind of, uh, I mean, it, it kind of makes me wonder: should I even fucking bother anymore? To be honest, or I, should I? Should I just not necessarily think about what the Guardian wants me to see? I would say that absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with my list. But anyway, you know, it's like, uh, the last Black Man in San Francisco. Fair enough. I didn't get to see. Played one week in Cardiff. And it was a busy week. I'm sorry, and it won showing a day. So no, but you know, like let's maybe not be so passive aggressive about the the best films you haven't seen. I never bother with those fucking lists. It's all bollocks. It's just clickbaity shite. Mm, mm. Number three. Anyway, number three is Spike Lee's Black Klansman, which is as vital and important a film as you will ever fucking see, and I'm sure is probably better than any of those films on that list. Um, Black Klansman is powerful. It's um, uh, a sledgehammer to a walnut, but it needs to be. Uh, But it's also really entertaining. It's fucking funny. It's a star-making performance from John David Washington. Um, Adam Driver is fantastic support. Um, it It is just, I don't know, it's obviously one of the best films of the decade. And I don't know why it's not on a lot of lists. I, I read it, It's weird reading best film of the decade lists and not seeing Black Klansman on there. But maybe that's just me. It, it's entertaining, but it's also got shit to say. Yeah, it's absolutely... It, it is brilliant. It is really fucking good. It is, yeah. Um, it's also... I say it, 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 it's the so much the one that we need right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, Becky, what is my number three? My number three is Wolf of Wall Street. It comes up. So <laughs> um, my number three, I give no fucking apologies <laughs> at all for having this as my number three at all. No apologies are given in any way at all. My number three, celebrated, as my number three of the decade, is Hot Tub Time Machine. Mm-hmm. I've spoken about it many times. I will continue to speak about it many times. We'll be watching it in like just over a month, won't we? We will indeed. Nice. Uh, it is, for me, the perfect comedy. Uh, I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I don't care if it's offensive. I don't care if people don't like it. All that makes me think is, cool, you're not fun. Um, yeah, you can take all the worthy, important cinema you want, and I appreciate that, and it's glorious, it's wonderful, but you will never get the simple joy of watching Hot Tub Time Machine in a hot tub, whilst pissed. It is a good time. Yeah. Ian, what's your number two? My number two is the Coen Brothers Inside, Lewin Davis. Um, the kind of almost the perfect film for me if i had a choice about where i lived and what period i lived in it would be any year winter new york (laughs) (laughs) i'm very similar in that one out of x it's so cold though hi inside lewin davis yes it's cold outside fair enough that means you shouldn't really be outside you should be inside, but you're in New York. So when you're inside, you can do you, you can do things like go to clubs and hear music or have conversations with people. 
or go on car rides with mysterious other people who may be John Goodman, they may not be, but it's a car ride with mysterious people. It's a film that makes a star out of Oscar Isaac, uh, even though he plays a fucking arsehole for the entire film, but he's a relatable arsehole. He's an arsehole who is looking for meaning and looking for a place in the world. And, you know, if Kerry Mulligan is going to throw him a bit his way, yeah, he'll take it. And is he not going to feel right about it? Yeah, fair enough. But he's also going to really fucking get, like, uh, fucking guilted for it by Kerry Mulligan. And even at the end of it all, she's going to kind of like him because in the end of the day, he's kind of done the right thing in an arsehole kind of way um it's a film which is about a man going through a shit period of his life and afterwards it's still probably gonna be shit it is a snapshot of a life a life that doesn't begin fully formed it doesn't end fully formed it's just there uh, but it's shot with a wonderful aesthetic. It feels like some sort of journey of character development, which ends in a place which probably wouldn't be um, satisfactory for most, but is for me. Um, and just contains a warmth amongst the cold, which I think a lot of films could learn by. You know, you, you can be sour and be sweet and not a lot of films do that these days um marriage story reminds me of that in a way actually um they feel like films not born of this decade i absolutely need to rewatch inside the world of davis i think i watched it in completely the wrong frame of mind mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 that's my what is it list which i'll go over in a second becky your number two my number two is the raid wow I know you fucking love the rain. I would watch that on a constant loop throughout my life. I know you fucking would. It's just fucking great. That's fair enough. I I, I love the fact that literally that is all you have to say about it is it's fucking great. It it, it, it speaks for itself. <laughs> it's just fucking great. It is. It, it literally has managed to reinvent the action movie mm. and it's a small little Indonesian movie. Yeah. Fighting's brutal. Yep. Man number two. Go on. Is the Wolf of Wall Street. Nice. Um, it was your number three, was it? Three, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was your number, what was it in? Um, quite far down. Um, sorry, but it was there. Uh, my reason behind it being my number two is it's just fantastic that Scorsese, again, like up the Irishman, can do something... 43! Yeah, can do something so innovative and make a film with so much verve, excitement um, and commitment, but to make it about a terrible person where, again, if you're watching it going, oh, doesn't that look fun? You you should be saying somebody's going, no, (laughs) it doesn't. It doesn't at all. It all is leading to him being alone broke and just a piece of shit it doesn't look fun he looks like a piece of shit the problem is too many people see the wrong side of it Mm. 
But yeah, it is it is spectacular and gave us some of the great moments of what is it? It's so fucking funny. It is the blackest of black comedies. I am amazed that actually in my top three of the year, of the the decade, two of them are comedies. I'm amazed that in my top five, two of them are Scorsese movies. Nice. Um, Right, so we're we're up to number ones. Before we do number ones, I'm just going to read my uh, fucking hell list. (laughs) Villainess. Colossal, The Great Beauty, Only Lovers Left Alive, It Comes at Night, Grand Piano, uh, Clouds of Silveria, uh, Creed, Martha Marcy, May Marlene, Filth, which I managed to put in, mm-hmm. um, Before Midnight, The Wind Rises, Lucky, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. What's on your rewatch list? I need to rewatch uh, Manchester by the Sea, Under the Skin, Alex Cross, uh, Leg- Tron Legacy, Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping, uh, and Inside Llewellyn Davis. And my need-to-watch list, Cold War, The Hunt, Burning, and Columbus. Mm. Ian, your number one film of the decade. It's going to come as no surprise to regular uh, listeners. My number one of the decade is David Finch's The Social Network. It's a film which was powerful then. I rewatched it a few months back and just as powerful now, quite frankly. Um, uh, you know... What Zuckerberg has done since seems entirely in keeping with what Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal was here. You know, I, it, it's interesting that Zuckerberg had things to say about the uh, portrayal of his character in the social network, and yet it kind of feels like he's just always taken that Rooney Mara relationship to heart fuck it, we're not political and yet we allow political advertising all over the place because a girl dumped me in the late noughties or early noughties. You know, it it just, it, it, it's, it's weird that so many human interaction can be boiled down to just a few things and it feels like Zuckerberg is just driven on pure I'm going to show that person that I'm not that but in fact I'm this thing even if this thing is worse than the thing they thought I was. He has not the so- fiber that he would like to think that he has. That exactly. Uh, what, that, that, but in his code uh, Eisenberg is network he doesn't necessarily see what is wrong about any of the things that he's done and you get the fact that zuckerberg now doesn't see any wrong in any of the things that he's done and it's 10 years later he, he, he as a man it, it, eisenberg's portrayal of finch's and sorkin's version of him he basically lacks any empathy and he very yeah. much tried to, in the post that, tried to prove that he had empathy by showing that he was this reluctant billionaire and he didn't spend his money and he just cared about, what is it, building friendships and bits like that. And then what he's done over the past few years is prove, no, you're a billionaire genius who lacks empathy. Yeah, I mean, th- 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 that that's it. And it, it's this film was ahead of that. 
Um, it just it's and and yet yeah, the core kind of the growth of Facebook and the people wanting to connect with each other and the conversations they have. You know, I mean, he had it right. It was people kind of want to fuck. You know, and it's you know obviously that's that's gone to other platforms, which thankfully I don't have that much of a knowledge about because I've been in a committed relationship for that an entire decade. You know, but it's like grind uh, grinder and Tinder and Snapchat and whatnot. It kind of feels like it's all there now. Like seriously, when lots starts getting into that shit in another ten years, she'll probably be starting to explore those things and it's going to be like it's going to be like a different world to me it's going to be like 3d printing i want to i'm going to want to kill myself because i don't understand free 3d printing the apps that lottie uses in 10 years god knows god knows but it, it it's so i mean that's the thing he kind of had that right with facebook it was the people want to connect for that reason and then it kind of exploded from there um avoiding family members but and and that's the thing but at the same time facebook has this such fucking global reach that it can get accused of interfering with like government process and elections and it probably is and that's the thing zuckerberg probably just looks at that and goes and about the Eisenberg portrayal of Zuckerberg is probably like, yeah, we're doing really well. That's it. It, it, it's, it. it was amazing that it was it was constantly referred to as that Facebook movement, and nobody expects it to. I mean, when that, it arrived, that, that's the thing. I mean, they're like Sorkin. Sorkin literally put up a post saying. I don't have that much knowledge of Facebook. Like I am looking for people to help on. Social network, you know, it's. To. The, the fucking the army hammer face replacement shit you can't see those seams the worst visual effect is the breath when they're standing outside from that uh, from that fraternity bit yeah yeah which That's is stunning it's stunning you you can't see the fucking seams um I've spoken enough, but Social Network, it's my film of the decade. It's one of the best fucking films ever made. And but I don't think people will say that, but it is. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it was my number 13. It, it, it's a staggering movie. It, it, it's a movie that has no right to be as good as it is. But then when you take the talent that is in it, you can see why it is. Yeah, that, very good. That's a very good summary. Very good. Um. Becky, you're number one, which will come as no surprise to anybody. <laughs> I had that in there, really. Yeah. Uh, my number one favourite movie of the decade is Fallout. Becky, would your number two, if we'd have let you, be in the Fallout trailer? I mean, the Fallout trailer is really fucking good. Would it have been your number two? If we'd done a trailer top ten, it would have been in there. Um, it just... It, it, Am I saying it's the best movie of the decade? Is it the match? Your best movie No, but it is, it is my favourite movie of the decade for everything that I got from it. From the anticipation, from that 
fucking trailer with him reloading his arms to the actual watching of it and actually not being disappointed, which was I was I was concerned mm. that I was going to be disappointed. So was I. Um, I just I just love it, and then I, I I watch it on a weekly basis quite happily. It was my what number was it yours Ian? It was quite high in yours, wasn't it? Fallout number ten. So what, what, what was it that got it to be your number 10? Because it was my number... It's a culmination of It was my number 23. All the number numbers. 9, actually. Number 9. It's, yeah, it's... It's taken action cinema or American action cinema to a whole different fucking level. It, it's, mm. it's basically done from a franchise that people thought was dead... Yeah, yeah. It's basically taken it and gone, oh, you like the Fast and Furious movies, you like all that uh, frantic freneticism and that, what is it? Right, what if we added a touch of fucking class to mm, it? Mm. And that, that's nothing against the Fast and Furious movies. I like the Fast and Furious movies. Mm. But that's what it's done. It has, and the way that it's done it is gone, the way that we keep people watching is to put in arcs People have to have a reason to come back for the next one. And that's what they've done really well. Yeah. Also as well, I love the fact that, that I love the writing process of the past two movies. So Rogue Nation, this one, that they decide locations and they decide set pieces and then they start writing the story around that. I think they write the story around whatever mad shit Tom Cruise yeah, wants literally, to do. Literally, literally. <laughs> Tom Cruise said to Chris McCorry, we've never done a helicopter I since the first one. And I want to learn how to fly a helicopter. Let's put it in. Oh, oh well. I've you've heard about the zero gravity plane. What? We are going to put that in as well. The end scene, they found the location for it and then wrote it. Whilst Tom Cruise <laughs> doing the and they were doing the zero gravity plane shit in it, literally, Christopher McQuarrie was writing the ending based on that location that they had for it. See, and the, and the background to it is is rich as well, isn't it? Like it's got all these like crazy fucking stories. Do you realise that Tom Cruise actually broke his ankle in that bit? Do you realise that Tom Cruise actually flew that? And it's like, it just it just enriches it somehow. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's it's such high-quality filmmaking. Mm. I've got that to your number one. Yes. What's your number one, Mark? I think people could guess what my number one is. Like, people could guess your number one, like, people could guess Ian's number one. Are you going to be able to get through this next section without crying? Probably not. <laughs> uh, yeah, my number one is A Star is Born. Yeah. Um, I'm still shocked at how much A Star Is Born hit me mm. and how much it had a, a genuine effect on the way I see life. I know you can scoff what you want next. I'm not scoffing. You are scoffing. Um, but yeah, it did. It, it, it had a general, it, it, it really affected me. Um, it's It's one of those films where if I was having a conversation with somebody that I didn't know or anything like that, if I met like, a group of friends in a bar and they had other friends and somebody turned and we were talking about the barn and they said, oh yeah, but it's, and started, what is it? I would struggle to not punch them in the face <laughs> and I am not a violent man. Um, yeah. It is, it is, you love a broken man. It, it, it is. And it, it is, it is, I, I love a broken man story. I think the music happens to be fantastic. Mm. The fact that it's performed live, the fact that it's there's so much put into it, it looks fantastic. I think um, Bradley Cooper writes, 
directs, stars in, and writes some of the music, but is still humble enough to stand back and go, no, this is her fucking movie. She's the star, and she's the fucking star in the movie. She's Lady Gaga. there's there's that she's fantastic in it it's heartbreaking it isn't afraid as a movie it isn't afraid to go do you know what we're going to show the complexities of relationships we're going to show him being an arsehole we're going to show all of these things even though we know people are going to go well no this is just this or it's that it's that it's going no do you know what it's not it's relationships people in relationships say shitty fucking things to each other mm. sometimes when and they don't mean that you can't have everything you can't have alcoholism and drug addiction are an illness and then when somebody is in that the throes of that illness says something and then go nope they're cancelled you can't do it why is she still it? because people say yeah. shitty things to each other especially people they love because they know they can, they not they can get away with it. They know there's a forgiveness there. They know that they're allowed to, not allowed to say these things. That's wrong. They know that there's going to be an understanding yeah. of these things, and that's relationship. And if you don't understand that and you can't understand it, then I'm sorry. It's because you are too immature to understand how an actual relationship works. So if you've never had a proper relationship you might not get the complexities of the relationship so come back and watch it in 10-15 years times when you have a proper relationship and see if you can get that mm. you should always go back and revisit movies 10 years after and see how growing up and how differently you watch it and how differently you feel yeah you shouldn't be afraid to go and re-watch things that you didn't like or that you really liked and see how they appear to you at a different juncture in your life um but yeah i i i will say i really liked uncut gems but in 30 years time if i watched that i think it would kill me (laughs) yeah there's that it's these things um there's a and hyperbole when it comes to this movie there's a strong possibility that this might not just be my film of the decade jesus christ there is there's a strong possibility it contains within it a essentially a four minute horror movie Hmm. from where he realized i I, I think we know i think we know yeah also as well i saw an interview with the guy who plays the manager and he says that that for about six months after the film came out, he couldn't walk around without somebody shouting, you're an arsehole at him. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that if, if I saw him within that six months, I would have done the same. Mm. Yeah. I think you probably still would. I probably still would. I think somebody had to hold me back. <laughs> I think the guy would go, it's okay, I understand. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was it. That was our films of the decade. Um, it's been a fucking hell of a ten years. The cinema. Hell yeah. Worst film of the decade. I don't know. I can tell you. Go on. Jesus. It's Keith Lemon the movie. (laughs) Wonder and Mrs. Brown's voice. Doesn't matter. Keith Lemon was worse. I think Uh, it might be voodoo. 
it was this fucking found footage bollocks that I, I got paid to review um, where it started off with just like girls clubbing and Ron Jeremy's in it. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, it, like they, one of them gets sent to basically hell and it's just 40 minutes of basically a, a fucking like a nightclub dressed up like it's hell and then this girl being tortured in it it was fucking awful um, for the watch list <laughs> i just yeah god fucking hell yeah ron jeremy was in that that was weird it was literally like ron jeremy was just in that club and they spotted him and said if we if we just pop you a grand do you mind if you just like say a couple things and we put you in the credits and they just gave him the cash there and then. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I reckon, I reckon they just offered to buy drinks that night. He'd have done it. I mean that and the fucking the one at the the seasoning house. Oh god, that was a piece of shit. What's an absolute piece of shit? Becky, so generally, is Cats your worst movie of the decade? It's definitely my worst movie. Well, yeah, it's my worst movie. Yeah. Yeah, my worst movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. I am enjoying okay, okay. how am little that film is making. You are. Sorry. Go on. See, I've not got enough brain space to keep bad movies in there. I just kind of shuttle them out. That's probably a better thing to do. So you saying about how, how little Cats is making? Yeah, like, at, apparently, at the very least, even if you take home entertainment... <laughs> even if you take home entertainment revenue into account, that thing is losing at least $70 million dollars. Yeah, it's not even made forty million dollars yet. Wow. Um, oh, have you seen the whole thing this this week about them removing it from their awards contention the studio? Yeah. Oh, they, they, they removed it from their page. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did it was even on there? The hubris of it. Yeah. It's it it yeah it it's it's a tailing disaster. It's just get. apparently the, the the chairman of Universal, Donna Langley, was like really high on it. <laughs> she was just like, "This is going to be huge." Like, yes, let's get it in these circles. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> sneezing. It's no one's business. All of a sudden, apologies. Um, and and yeah, yeah, it's been taken off all these for your consideration things, and it just. It feels like Universal just want to fucking bury it now. Like, what if it never gets a DVD release? <laughs> it's just done. Yeah, just, just, they go, look, we're sorry. We're sorry. We Tom Hooper is never going to make anything again. Um, just, I mean, we're done. Do you reckon it, they it, see it? Like, like no. He pitched it as this one thing and no, then... No, it got away from them. It was... It was... They, they, they will have seen it. It's just, again, it's hubris. I mean... It just it makes me laugh that James Corden went on radio to promote the Gavin <laughs> Space Stacey Christmas special and said, I haven't seen it, but I heard it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, how is there not a clause in contracts where it's like for the first four weeks of a film, you are in's release, just say nothing. I I, I, I think he I think he's thought, do you know what? Even if it's there legally, I think if they try and sue me, I'll win. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's not... terrible. It's it, it just like to say, 
it's a high profile radio two interview just before Christmas, like the Monday after it's come out and you're saying, I've heard it's awful. I haven't seen it. I mean, again, it's kind of a disgusting mate. You were fucking paid enough for that. He, he, I think, I think he's, he's trying to preach to the choir a little bit. He's but, trying to get in front of him. But behind, yeah, but behind the scenes, there will be some filmmakers who think, you fucking prick. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's it. I hope. And I mean, to be fair, with his late show thing and the fact that it looks like Gavin, Spa- Gavin and Stacey is back, back, back. It, I fucking hope there are some directors who are just like, that's really, really not cool. You don't do that. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it just, it seems classless. Yeah. It, it's the same nothing. It, it, it is that. It's just like, just say, I haven't seen it yet, and I look forward to seeing it. You know, yeah. I, 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 I want to have my own opinion. You just, or, you just, yeah. you say or, that. I haven't seen it yet, but what people fail to understand is a lot of people work very hard on that movie. Yeah. I mean, that's and it. I mean, not, not. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's shit. I mean, that's it. Chase and Derulo, fair play to the motherfucker. He's like, do you know how hard it is to make a film? You know, it's like, all right, cool. That's not the best answer in the world, but at least you're not basically throwing the film under a bus. Yeah, at least he's got at least he's got the balls to go, no, do you know what? No, I, I, I'm going to defend this. I'm not going to say it's good or anything like that, but I'm going to defend it. Yeah. Um, right. We've Bye. been recording for about four hours. I need to go. Yeah, Ian needs to go. Um, so yes, um, so thank you very much for listening, guys. That was our top, uh, top. What do we get? Ten, ten of the decade. Or if you're a Patreon and you give us two dollars a month, it was the top one hundred of the decade. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Becky. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you very much, Ian. Thank you. We will be back next week with reviews of Jojo Rabbit, The Gentleman, Little Women, Spies in Disguise, Playing with Fire, and Marriage Story? Yep. Fucking hell. A bumper show, and then the week after that, I think it will be our end of year show. And other things, because it kind of feels like this is probably superseded it slightly. Yeah, you'll, you'll still get our usual worst of disappointments and surprises, but it'll probably be less top 10 chat. Yeah. Yeah. Playing with fires, good. I don't know it. Uh, There's so a yeah, plot but... involving my little pony, which I very much enjoyed. <laughs> now I'm mildly worried about it. Um, yes, thank you much for listening, guys. Speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.